0: You're listening to the Monumental Me Mindshare Podcast. We're collecting stories and having conversations with real people who inspire us to thrive in life. Thinkers and doers and people like you. This is Leanna Slater of Monumental Me. Today we're speaking with Atlantic Brugman, a Tokyo 2020 and 2021 Olympic hopeful for the US sailing team. Atlantic was born and raised in Barcelona, Spain to an American father and a Spanish mother. She is a humble yet highly ambitious lifelong sailor, an in-demand sailing instructor, a wife, sister, and much more. Atlantic had a painful loss at the final end of the 2020 Olympic Trials, where she did not qualify for the Olympics after a many years long successful campaign interrupted by COVID-19. We can learn so much from her drive and innovative approach to reaching the final Olympic Trials. You have really come out of this. I, I'm just going to assume you're stronger for it because I know we were talking before and I'd love you to share what your plans are for the future. You're pivoting and you just put your all into something, your professional um, sailing career. And you've been, in the last several months, gotten back into professional coaching. And then I'd love to, to hear just how do you keep going and what are your plans going forward and for the future? I know you talked about your own business. So tell us a little bit
1: about how you've yeah. been there. Yeah, I mean, you know, as bad as it all was, it was, we kept always working so hard and always being so optimistic and keeping our heads up. And it was a big blow, but we moved on, you know, and said, this is what it is. And we just have to do the next thing and then it's okay. And and it was, it that was, I think, something cool for me to feel that, yeah, I was hurt, but I felt like, you know, good that I was able to move on and be able to just say, I'm going to take all the good things out of this experience and take it to my next experience. And so I started coaching for the summer. And I had such a blast coaching the young kids. And I realized how much I love the sport and how much I, I just wanted to pass on some knowledge. And I just I have some people reach out to me about them starting their own Olympic campaigns. And it's been just so fun for me to advise them on all of that and, and be able to have other, show other people how amazing the experience is and, and what they can do and try to make it uh, easy for other people. And, What's your biggest piece of advice? I mean, I don't know if there is one that you can pull out, but when you
0: do meet with people who are really early in their career, like what do you feel is important to share with them at that stage when they're just getting started?
1: I I mean, I think in terms of Olympic sailing is asking a lot of questions to people who've done it before so that you can avoid all those little mistakes at the beginning that just uh, maybe hold you back on the earlier stages of like being able to get to where you need to be. And I think that we made a a little bit of those where I think if, if, and we were lucky because we had Amanda Clark, she gave us a ton of advice. So she's a
0: former Olympian. Yes. yes.
1: Amanda's a former Olympian and, and she was a mentor to us and she did give us a ton of advice that, um, that really did help us avoid, more mistakes but now i wish i had asked her even more questions right and i think that that's the advice i would give to um, any person starting the olympic campaign is ask questions people who've done it and see how how you can quickly navigate this totally unknown field to get to where you need to be you know That's great advice. Right. So
0: it's a mixture of knowing, ask questions to know what you need yourself, but then also what you're going to get into. It sounds like what you're setting yourself up for. That's so important because when you're young and ambitious, I mean, I think it's a great attribute to be like, I can do anything, but maybe like putting a dose of reality in there too with some people, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Olympic Sailing Hopeful atlantic brugman on our mindshare podcast we're going to take a step back and hear about how atlantic got started as a sailor at the age of four and about her years-long journey to the olympics tokyo 2020 and yes that got rudely interrupted by COVID 19 and stay tuned to the end to hear her great advice and what she'd tell her 26 year old self today
1: I grew up in Barcelona in Spain and my dad taught me how to sail at a very early age and I started racing and sailing and I found sailing was the thing that I was successful at and I wasn't so successful in school. So that was something that gave me purpose from very early on where sailing became my thing. After high school, I moved to the UK where I got my captain's license. I got really sick. So I was in and out of the hospital for years. So I was really out of sailing and kind of thought, you know, I'm done with sailing. It was a tough time I think because I no longer had sailing as, you know, d- that defined me. And then I just randomly got asked to coach at Stanford University as an assistant coach. So I went to California. I hadn't sailed, I hadn't stepped foot in a boat in 2 years and and then I was there for two more years and then realize gosh I really miss sailing and I really miss competing and so I, I talked to my sister and we said hey why don't we try this Olympic thing that we've been talking about our whole life <laughs> but at the time I was 26 I was an older Olympic hopeful but that's where I got to my journey to Olympics yeah uh,
0: okay so your journey to the Olympics started at 26 that's it sounds like that idea was growing for years, but was there one person that mentioned that to you, or were you just like, "This is another transition period in my life. This is something. It's time to do."
1: I mean, I, I had sailed with my sister Nora, and when we were young, so we had always dreamed about it, and we talk about it, and we, when we were sailing, we just, you know, pretend we were in the Olympics—things well, that kids do, right? right? Right, right. But I never really thought it. Possible, like I always wanted to do it, but throughout my entire career, I never really thought that it would be possible, just because of like the financial, what it requires financially to be able to campaign. Uh, And I think just I do believe that things happen for a reason in life. And I had ended up at Connecticut College, which led me to work at Shelter Island with uh, Jeff Brezynhan, and I brought my sisters in to coach there, and then. Actually, my sister got connected to some people. She was working there who said, hey, why don't you try this with your sister? We will help you. And that's kind of when we thought, wow, this could be possible. Like we could actually do this. We have people that want to help us. And we've been talking about this our whole life. And we said, well, let's go for it. I mean, we did know it was going to be difficult because I hadn't sailed in four years. And I'm just going to go and compete against people who were like gold medalists. But, you know, we were... It was such a big dream for us that we weren't taken aback by that.
0: Right. So you have such a rich life. You have so many interests. I wasn't even aware of your nonprofit career before you got um, involved in the Olympic campaign. So, but let's just focus for a few more minutes on the Olympic um, trials and, and that kind of goal in your life. Because I feel that you were very humble. I think that's such a huge feat um, to be an Olympic hopeful. If we could just talk a little bit more about that. So you were, um, well, you should explain it. So the Olympic 2020, there were a, obviously a lot of setbacks with COVID you had Mm -hmm. to not only did you have to be highly motivated to even want to enter the Olympics campaign for it, raise money, all of that. But just the motivation and drive that you have, I think is so important just to touch on because you are so humble. It doesn't come across immediately. Like, you know, this, um, I don't know, maybe some people like where, you know, just their inner drive in a different way, but you clearly have such strong drive. And, and I would love to talk about that because that's really a focus of, of monumental me is just like really leveraging those inner strengths. So talk a little bit more about kind of how you kept going. You clearly had this goal and you had some encouragement and you had the tools to do it, but like what really was kept you going
1: because it was so hard. Yeah. But yeah. It was very hard and it was very hard from the first moment right it was hard from like day one and so I think that there was a big push for us to try to get to 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 get to our best and to get to the Olympics that we just could never give up right and you know I think that every time there was a problem we we just you know we did everything we could to fix it, and I think when when we first started, the problem was um, the, the challenges were that we were a very new team, that we weren't really in the radar of people's in terms of like the federation or you know coaches or things like that. So we did have to kind of guess a lot of things and how it worked and how this world worked because neither of us had been there before. So we made a lot of mistakes that um, if we had had maybe. A little bit more guidance could have been avoided and and you know we bought boats that were very old that you know then we were trying to compete with those boats that um now we're competing with a you know, boat from 2004 against people who were competing with a boat from like 2016, brand new boat. So, so did
0: some teams have corporate sponsorship and so they had kind of ample money or did some people just have their own kind of independent funds? Just to explain a little bit more about, yeah, what made you guys maybe like just be on the back foot with your resources?
1: Yeah. So in, in terms of how, like compared to other countries, The U.S. functions a little bit different than other countries do just because of how it's set up. Other countries have, um, you know, pretty much full Federation support in terms of coaching and equipment and everything. It's very much you're part of the team, you're part of the national team, and then you're with that coach, you're with your teammates and so on. With the US, it worked a little differently, where there was no national team, we didn't have a national coach, we didn't have, we didn't get support with equipment or finance or, or you know, everything that we did, every, like, we hired our own coaches, We we had to, every regatta we went to, the regatta fee, the hotel, buying the equipment, getting the planes, all, all of that we had to finance ourselves. And we also had an incredible support in the US, but we also didn't have a very big pool of donors. So it was very hard for us to continuously ask the same people for you know, financial support. And, and that was a big struggle for us because we always tried to find the balance between we, we need support, but we've been asking the same people over and over. And it's just, it's tough, you know, because- right. So right. I think that was that that was really tough for us because there were time, many 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 times where I'd just look at our bank account and feel like you know we can't make this next event. I don't know how we're going to do it, but one thing that I'm really proud of us for doing, and I think that has taught me a lot about life too, was that we got away with having very limited budget by making friends on the fleet from other countries who. We we were just we just wanted to have friends. It wasn't never like we want to have these friends to like, you know, have support. It was more like we made friends. We were friendly with people, and then people from started supporting us. You know, they they have a day off. They are not using their motorboat here. You you can use our motorboat for free. Or- so
0: these are people who are competing from other countries, and you ended up collaborating with them, and they helped you. That's that's amazing. That's- Correct.
1: A ton. I mean, that was our big, that was our biggest success in our campaign was connecting with people from other countries that had federation support from their own countries. And we didn't have a coach, but we could train with them. They had a coach that would set up a course and we would just, you know, sometimes get towed out by them or they would hold our food so that we could, we would just train with them. I mean, and we were coming from being very much a new team, competing against people who've been doing this for many years and who are they're they're training to go and get a gold medal and we're training to try to do our best to become get to the top of the fleet. So yeah. they didn't really always need to be training with us. They didn't necessarily need to to have us be part of their team, but but we maybe we brought something to them in terms of friendship and, and lining things up that made them and their coaches a lot of times be very open to having us be a part of their training camp yeah that's amazing
0: yeah so then just tell us kind of how this all concluded so you experience you've made it so far you experience a great disappointment but yeah tell us kind of the conclusion of the olympic
1: yeah i mean it was very tough for us because we had three events and to qualify for the games they would um they would count every single event and they would you know you your points whether you were the first boat after three events then you would go to the games and we did two events and we were leading the trials after two events we had one event left and we were getting ready for that event and the you know maybe two days before the event COVID, the whole pandemic hit they canceled the event and we all, you know, we all went home or, you know, we all got locked down and every, and the games got postponed and everything just became, there was so much unknowns. And we, you know, we had, we had fundraised for just, you know, for, for that event. And then we hadn't fundraised for the games yet. Cause we didn't want to ask for the money for the game, just in case we, we didn't go. So we suddenly saw ourselves with no money. Other people were struggling with money. We had to do another full year of campaigning. We were in Spain and the lockdown there was very um, heavy. We didn't get to get, leave our homes for three months, basically. And then I I have an autoimmune disease. So I was very, very conscious of COVID. And it was very tough for me to try to, at the time when we were all so scared, because we didn't know anything, for me to keep training. And we were traveling to France to try to, you know, still train as hard as everybody else. But I was traveling was tough for me because I was scared. And, and we didn't have our coach was from Argentina, and he was in Argentina. And there was no way we didn't get him to travel to us until a year later, for our trials. And, and then also, we, we had a, a lot of problems with well it was just uncertainty from the Federation who well, they didn't really quite support us, and and they 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 ended the trials for the other remaining classes, but not our trials. And it felt a lot that it was because they didn't want our team to go to the games, and that was really tough for us because we were we you know we were the only class they didn't end the trials for, and they kept us going. They didn't give us any support, and they, it was just uncertainty and. We tried our best. I mean, we worked so hard, regardless of all of that. We just gave it our everything. We tried to become innovative. We got a friend to coach us. We kept training as much as we could. We we would you know we just gave it our all and and but it was just uh, maybe just too much emotionally for us. Leading to the trials, the trials were exactly year after the other trials, and they were in Portugal and we were driving down to Portugal and they were closing the border between Spain and Portugal because Portugal was being hit by that huge wave they had in, in January, February. And we didn't even know what was going to happen. We didn't know we could get into Portugal. We didn't know if our coach could come. It was just a lot. And I think that we got to the trials. We didn't have much more space for.
0: You're for you are know, I mean, that you was know,
1: a lot. Well, I still think it's so impressive
0: how far you guys made it and all that you went through. And I know that's really emotional, but. And the Olympics
1: is just one regatta out of all the hundreds of regattas that we did throughout the four year campaign. So maybe we didn't make it to that one event, but we did learn a ton. And maybe if I had had a different career path and hadn't done the Olympics, maybe I wouldn't feel comfortable or confident now to pursue this career in interior design, which is my passion, just because I didn't realize that that what what it's like to pursue your dreams, even if it's hard. And, and so I'm very thankful for that. And
0: oh, that's great. That's great.
1: Well, I want to
0: ask you kind of my signature question. If there is one thing that you could tell your 26-year-old self, or maybe you can choose an age, maybe it could even be your freshly graduated from college self, what would that be?
1: I would tell myself to really trust my gut and to go for the things that, you know, I, I find I, after college especially, but even before that, I found myself many times at the crossroads where it was like, Either this decision or this decision in my life can go in two different directions, right? And I think that looking back in all of those decisions that I had to make where it was like, I'm doing this, which means that my life is going to go this way or I'm doing that. Um, Looking back, I'm so glad that I feel like every time I made the right decision for me, and I think it was because every time I trusted my gut, That at the end of the day, that's what I really wanted to do. And I wasn't thinking about it um, in the most logical way. I was thinking in the way where it's like, what is my gut telling me to do? So I think that's what I would tell myself.
0: Yeah, no that that's important advice because you get so much external advice, and I think to have the drive that you have, it's like if you choose something that feels right and real to you, that keeps you going. I kind of translate the trust of your gut into into that.
1: And, and I guess the other thing I would say is, and I'm sure you feel the same way, it's that sometimes when you're young or when you're in the moment of something that that's bad that's happening or that you're in a really bad place, you feel like, oh, this is the this is the worst that. I'm never going to come back from this, or I'm feeling so sad about this particular situation. And then all of those things pass, right? And suddenly, you know, you look back at it and I was like, oh, that was really tough, but I'm no longer in that situation. And it passed, right? So maybe telling myself when you're in a really bad place, it, it's going to pass and you're going to feel better and it's going to be okay. And it just feels really shit, really bad right now. But but it, that's, it's going to pass and you just need to keep trekking and it, it will feel better in a little bit.
0: So important. That's such important advice. I love it. Thank you so much, Atlantic. It was wonderful to have you. And I just, I've learned so much just in the last 30 minutes from you, even though I've known you for years now. But <laughs> this, this has been a wonderful conversation. So thank you. And I can't wait to hear from you in the future about how this next venture pans out for you. Thank you so much. For more information or to join our community, visit our website at monumentalme.com or follow us on Instagram at monumentalme.we. And if you have any suggestions for interviews, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at infomonumentalme.com. At